are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. The Avengers, which came out in 2012 and was directed by Joss Whedon. The world has changed. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. We are hopelessly outgunned. Mr. Stark? Captain, it's time. I still believe in heroes. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. I have an army. We have a Hulk. It stars Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Samuel L. Jackson, Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Tom Hiddleston, Jeremy Renner, Kobe Smulders, Stellan Skarsgård, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Clark Gregg. The genre would be superhero team-up epic. (sighs) This film brings me back to seemingly simpler times, when the mere idea of a team-up and or spin-off movie seemed as much of a pipe dream as, say, that standalone Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman movie which Tim Burton was supposed to direct. When Marvel was still the underdog, especially since three of the four MCU movies after Iron Man had kind of underperformed and Spider-Man was being rebooted. When the thought of Joss Whedon directing and or creating something actually successful seemed foolhardy. Yeah, we're still waiting on that Firefly sequel. This was merely a decade ago, mind you, but it feels like a lifetime ago. And let me preface this by saying that I have zero desire to watch the next MCU movie nor streaming show at this point, and that sadly, I can now often look upon the aftermath of the gargantuan success of this very film with the same level of disdain as likely the most pretentious tweed coat-wearing cinephile snobs looked upon the breakout success of Star Wars back in the 1980s. Well, I think um, the uh, raves for the early Star Wars have been so violent and so uh, extravagant that I feel one cannot afford to mince one's words if one dislikes these things. You certainly did not do that. Uh, but, But why do you feel they are so bad? I feel they're so bad because they're completely dehumanizing. I th- obviously, let's face it, they are for children or for childish adults. They're not for adult mentalities. But here's the thing that I cannot shake regardless. I saw this shindig five times in theaters when it first came out, and I loved it. And rewatching it again, I still love it. Oh, there's clunkiness there, and there always was. The whole Tesseract plot makes very little sense, especially since they gathered this whole team to embark on this adventure, only to realize too late that it was brought to Stark Tower all along, after we've been hearing for 90-plus minutes about how Tony Stark himself learns everyone else's secrets. No matter, this came out the same summer as The Dark Knight Rises, and the online chattering crowd was just way more primed to take down that film's plot holes instead. Besides, that movie just wasn't as much fun. Sorry. And it's not a great-looking movie, The Avengers, I mean. Pretty flat cinematography, also a bit of a stretch to make downtown Cleveland look like both Stuttgart and Manhattan. 
I mean, this came out the same year as Skyfall, so we knew by that point that action blockbusters had the potential to just look amazing. Oh, and there's Kobe Smulders trying to look determined as Agent Hill. Yeah, the less said about that, the better. But toss aside the negatives, and sorry, but this film just cooks. I realized it an hour into this rewatch, and we're talking an hour filled with so much exposition and technological gobbledygook, it could have just as easily been a season opener for Star Trek The Next Generation. But I enjoyed every single minute of it. The dialogue is fast, funny, clever, and still sufficiently grounded, with a top-flight cast delivering the goods, of course. It's also around the 60-minute mark that I remembered why this film achieved such a high level of success after a nicely played scene between Downey's Tony Stark and Ruffalo's Bruce Banner. And this was more than it just being a Zodiac reunion. They are the science bros, trading stories about their troubled pasts, and both actors are really giving these characters 100% urgency and pathos. And it is scenes like these which help elevate this above most other superhero movies before and since. Now you see, I don't get a suit of armor. I'm exposed. Like a nerve. It's a nightmare. You know, I've got a cluster of shrapnel trying every second to crawl its way into my heart. This stops it. This little circle of light, it's part of me now. Not just armor. It's a terrible privilege because I learned how. It's different. Hey, I read all about your accident. That much gamma exposure should have killed you. So you're saying that the Hulk, the other guy, saved my life? That's nice. It's a nice sentiment. This whole shebang is quite dialogue-heavy with juicy stuff. There's also an intriguing back and forth between Hiddleston's Loki and Johansson's Natasha shortly after. And by the way, Hiddleston steals this movie whenever Ruffalo can't. Oh, no, but I like this. Your world in the balance, and you bargain for one man. Regimes fall every day. I tend not to weep over that. I'm Russian. Where I was. And what are you now? It's really not that complicated. I got red in my ledger. I'd like to wipe it out. Can you? Can you wipe out that much red? Ruffalo has been sympathetic as Bruce Banner for the first half, but when he finally busts out as the Hulk, shit gets real. And in totality, this still remains the only movie which is done right by both the Hulk and Bruce Banner. It's genuinely a sublime performance by Ruffalo, and it makes the payoff of Hulk literally smashing his way through downtown Manhattan all the more satisfying. And Hulk. Smash. And speaking of the Battle of New York, the climax, the final 30 or 40 minutes is just a masterclass at sustaining action on multiple fronts, giving each member of the Avengers their moments to shine, even more impressively, showing them working well as a team. It's a near-perfect blend of danger and humor. And yes, of course, you have all of those quips. But all of the humor comes organically from the characters, more often than not based on how overwhelmed and or scared they are during this battle. When we hear Natasha simply deadpan on seeing that alien ship coming around the bend, I, I don't see how that's a party. It's relatably funny because we know that she is genuinely terrified. And along those lines, mad props to all involved for just how well they integrate both Natasha and Hawkeye into all this crazy action. I mean, they're just armed with firearms and a bow and arrow. The whole idea of them holding their own with flying aliens, shooting lasers, really doesn't hold up to scrutiny, 
But then again, this is a comic book superhero movie, right? Over the course of its expositional first half, and through that crazy final battle, The Avengers becomes the ultimate comic book superhero movie. This was a genuinely rewarding audience experience, to say the least. So even though this franchise has since lost me as a superfan, I mean, Winter Soldier, it was fine, but come on, <laughs> it was fine. And I can commiserate with the best of them about how much harm Hollywood's shared universe obsession since the success of this movie has done to mainstream filmmaking in general. I still have to tip my hat to this 140-minute, quote, theme park ride, which a great director once said, the one which helped start it all because it remains one hell of a ride. And that brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. Alan Silvestri is one of those big-time composers who has been around for decades and has delivered some very memorable theme music for some big movies. The Back to the Future trilogy, the Predator series, The Abyss, and my personal favorite, his theme for the Delta Force. Yes, seriously, try topping this for hero music. And speaking of hero music, what he composed for the Avengers is a bombastic mix of horns and strings with some triangle thrown in there for good measure, just generally rousing stuff and never more so than during that critical sequence kicked off when we hear Bruce Banner utter, that's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Yeah, you know the one. We see Ruffalo turn from the camera, transform into the big green guy, literally smash down that alien vessel so Iron Man can pull up and blast it. We then see Chitauri warriors hanging all over nearby skyscrapers, letting up battle cries. And then, that 360-degree hero shot, panning around our heroes all together, gearing up. It is truly one of the most earned audience applause moments that I can recall seeing in a movie theater. And Silvestri's music is critical towards pulling it off. This track is fittingly called Avengers Assemble. The next category is Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with this film. Okay, I'm going to veer a bit with this category, as I am going to actually focus on the highly anticipated Iron Man sequel, which ended up being a very perfunctory prequel to this film. Why was so much talent wasted on Iron Man 2? Speaking of someone who adores the first Iron Man and thinks it might even be the best film the MCU has ever produced, along with likely being among the greatest superhero origin stories, it was not long after the surprising smash success of Iron Man back in 2008 that Kevin Feige and crew made formal announcements of the, quote, shared universe, which would follow, leading up to the culmination in 2012, the release of The Avengers, the ultimate team-up movie. Included among this slate were Captain America, the first Avenger, and Thor. And these were both pretty strong standalone movies in themselves. I like both of them. Unlike Iron Man 2, 
which granted does have some funny moments involving Downey's Tony Stark and Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts and one pretty strong action sequence early on. But wow, talk about a cast of strong supporting actors who are generally wasted in underwritten roles, barely there to move the plot forward and or set up the forthcoming Avengers movie. Samuel L. Jackson, Sam Rockwell, Don Cheadle, Scarlett Johansson, Clark Gregg, John Slattery, blink and you'll miss her, Kate Mara. Yep, she's in this movie. And saddled with a god-awful accent, and even worse, god-awful hair, with a parakeet to match, Mickey Rourke. Yes, I want my bird. A bird? You want a bird? I want my bird. I can get you a bird. I can get you ten birds. I want my bird. Now, some might say that Iron Man 2 had to happen to properly set up the Avengers, but I respectfully disagree. Any Avengers characters who were introduced in Iron Man 2, like Nick Fury or Natasha, they are actually given more depth and context in the first hour of the Avengers regardless. As a prequel to the Avengers, Iron Man 2 is just a complete waste. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Wow, this is such an absurdly stacked category. And it's thanks to moments like these that 10 years later, Marvel Studios has become the institution that it is today. So many that I will simply need to briefly list them. There's just too many. Enough! You are all of you beneath me. I am a god, you dull creature. And I will not be bullied by that. God. That awe-inspiring first launch of that helicarrier as it pulls out of the water. That shield agent playing Galaga. The collision of Cap's shield with Thor's hammer in the forest. One word, shawarma. We have a Hulk. Steve Rogers giving Fury that ten bucks. Natasha tied to that chair, knocking back that Russian goon with her hair. <laughs> because why not? Coulson holding the big gun. Loki is beyond reason, but he is of Asgard, and he is my brother. He killed 80 people in two days. He's adopted. That overhead shot of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents putting down their guns in India. That image of Hiddleston just skipping around after carving that dude's eye out. Oh, wait, to be fair, that was Loki who carved the guy's eye out. I don't believe Hiddleston has ever committed such a violent act. He's an actor. The image of Hawkeye jumping backwards off that skyscraper. Banner talking about spectrometers which I could just listen to all day, if I'm being honest. Nick Fury tossing out those bloody cards on the table. And of course, the aforementioned circular hero shot. And now the final category, which would be the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Considering just how well-paced this film is, it's definitely the tightest superhero team-up movie by far. I must have a special shout-out to co-editor Lisa Lassick. She had been a longtime collaborator with Joss Whedon on most of his TV and movie projects, and also would continue to serve as editor on films after this, with another former collaborator of Joss Whedon, Drew Goddard, excellent writer and director. Most recently, she served as Goddard's editor on the very underrated Bad Times at the El Royale. Check out that movie, by the way. At the end of the day, though, the success of The Avengers, this film, truly comes down to the talents of one man and the vision of another. Though I am in no way defending what has come out about him since then, as they say, the play is the thing, and Joss Whedon was the right creative force behind this movie at the time. As director and co-writer, he took his uniquely self-aware, character-based sensibilities, the kind which had been manifested on previous projects, including Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 
and he brought them to a massive story on a massive scale. And what resulted was a team-up movie, which was fun and even grounded whenever it needed to be. Even though this film is not lacking in exciting imagery nor thrilling set pieces, thanks to the Oscar-nominated and deservedly special effects team at Industrial Light and Magic, led by Jeff White, they clearly made the right choice by hiring a director for the Avengers who would prioritize character over spectacle. And when I'm referring to they, I mean, of course, him. The man behind the curtain, the producing maestro who orchestrated all of this from day one, Kevin Feige. The reason the Avengers are so great in the comics is because they're such different personalities, right? So you cast the best person for those personalities. You do your job right. When you put them together, it's going to be as fun as it is in the comics. And if you've heard my Avengers Endgame review, check that out, by the way, you have already heard me wax on about this guy and how he basically pulled off on big screens what most other vaunted producers could not. A successful cinematic universe. The Avengers and the success of this movie was simply lightning in a bottle, and only one man had the vision to see that through. The boy from Boston who grew up loving comic books and eventually became not only the president of Marvel Studios, but the chief creative officer for all of Marvel Entertainment for leading the charge for what would end up being a true game-changer for mainstream entertainment, for better and worse, Joss Whedon and Kevin Feige are co-MVPs. My rating for The Avengers would be four and a half stars out of five. <laughs> Among all MCU movies, I would probably rank this second just behind the original Iron Man and a notch above Black Panther. Regarding superhero team-up movies, Number one, as none of the other Avengers movies, nor either version of the Justice League movie, even comes close. Though X-Men Days of Future Past is up there. And among comic book superhero movies overall, definitely top 10, if not top 5, probably right alongside Spider-Man 2 and upcoming episode Wonder Woman. Happy 10th anniversary to one of the ultimate crowd pleasers. And if you're looking to watch The Avengers, it is currently streaming on Disney+. And that ends another team-building review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.